welcome to episode 36 of Our Brooklyn Bites. I am Stephanie. I'm Leon. And uh, how did you spend your week this week? Uh, I've, of course, I've been playing some games. <laughs> or at least one game you in particular. You were playing games this week? Yeah. I played uh, at least one game. A game that you might have heard of. A game called In the Hunt. I have heard of that. You know this game, right? It was an early game for uh, for PS1. I think it was in the long box. It was actually... Yeah, exactly. Right? I think I think so. It was also on Saturn as well. Oh. Um, but I played the PlayStation version. Um, that was released in uh, November of, of uh, 1995. And now, why did you choose the PlayStation version over the arcade version? Uh, it's a good question. This is based on... <laughs> so I was wondering if, mm. like, for any gamer today, like, why would you go for the port of a game when you can right. play the original? Right. Well, for one thing, the PlayStation and the Saturn versions um, are fairly faithful ports. Mm-hmm. So there's really not... You're not losing anything by playing the home versions in, in, the, in this case. Um, you do get a couple of extra things from the home port. Okay. Um, it's not a huge difference. Um, so a little background, actually. Uh, <laughs> so the PlayStation version was released, released as I said, November of 1995 in Japan by Xing. Uh, the U.S. version was released in March of 96 uh, by Coco Pelli. This was actually what? a brand of THQ, huh? which uh, I had not Goodness. realized. No. Yeah. So, yeah, they had a little publishing brand, huh. and that's what they used. Um, <laughs> uh, this was developed by uh, a Japanese developer called uh, Tsushi Jimishu. Hmm. <laughs> Just uh, rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Uh, Tsuji Jimusho. <laughs> that's my second attempt at saying that. <laughs> Uh, I guess they did various uh, home ports of, of existing games because this was actually an IRAM arcade game released in 1993. Mm. This was known in Japan as Kaite Densenso. Mm. Now, I know you, I don't want to interrupt you, but is this does this have any reference to their earlier game, Schoon? Uh, there is, is speculation. Okay. Uh, I don't know if any of the dev team were on both games. I don't know if... Schoon was a good 10 years, probably earlier, uh-huh. maybe more. I'm, a, I'm, I'm only vaguely aware of that game. Okay. So I don't really know if there's any kind of lineage there. Okay. Um, was that NES only, or was that an arcade game uh, also? I believe it was an arcade game. Maybe not. Maybe it was NES. I mean, I, I know it from NES, but I just assumed it was an arcade port mm-hmm. from them. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, that was 93. Okay. I don't know. This game. Yeah. So, I don't know how, how far back. was like 86, 87, okay. something like that. All right, so it's not too far off. Mm-hmm. Um, so, let's see. I guess the... So, the title in Japan, like I mentioned, roughly translates to The Great War on the Ocean Floor. That's what that uh, <laughs> title originally meant. <laughs> um, now, a lot of people have made comparisons... To, of the art in this game to Metal Slug, right? Mm, okay. A lot of people see a lot of the art style and the type of animation used yeah. in this game and think, oh, wow, this this game rips off Metal Slug, you know? But keeping in mind, Metal Slug came out in 1996, and this was a 1993 mm. arcade game, and there is a lineage there. There's actually a connection between the two games. Um, this was, you know, developed within Irem. 
But the dev team of this game would go on to form uh, Nazca Corporation in 1994, which SNK actually acquired in 96. And they created the Metal Slug series for uh-huh. SNK. And um, the same team also did Gun Force 2 for Irem. But not well. Gun Force 1? I don't know if it goes oh. back to Gun Force okay. 1. But you do uh-huh. see a similarity there, too. Yeah. A little bit. Gun Force 2 is very similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, on the PlayStation version, um, you actually get a couple of different modes. You actually... I mean, it's not hugely different. Um, there, in, in the options screen, you have um, two game modes to select from, arcade or PlayStation. Now, as far as I can tell, the only real difference is when you, sometimes um, there's an option for during the PlayStation version where you can pick up a shield mm-hmm. as a power-up, and your ship will be temporarily protected. Or it's an extra... You can take an extra hit, basically. Um, you'll lose the shield if you if you get if you take any damage. Um, so I think that was an addition for the home version, and also there's a, a PlayStation Sound mode as well, which replaces the the arcade uh, chip music hmm. with with just CD audio. Yeah, I guess that was kind of big at the time. Yeah, CD audio. Yeah, I, I like tried a it out. Point. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't that thrilled with the result. Mm-hmm. I mean. I think it was similar compositions. It's not like they took the same tunes used in the arcade version and just played them with CD audio instead, or like, yeah, like violins and right. replacing and with modern. It's instruments. like it's like you vaguely hear the same melody and the uh-huh. same tunes, but it's almost like a Muzak version of the <laughs> you know of the the, the background uh, audio. So I kind of stuck with the arcade audio for for this one, but I did play the game in PlayStation mode just to. Okay. Just to see the difference, yeah. I guess. Um, so this is a horizontal scrolling shooter, in case you don't know. Uh, this is uh, kind of a, you control a submarine. So it's a very uh, aquatic-themed shooter. Um, but you don't have forced scrolling. Hmm. So it's not constantly moving horizontally. It's uh, basically, much like Metal Slug, you control when you choose to move forward. So it's almost like, uh, you know, a typical run-and-gun side-scroller where you can decide when you want to move ahead. Um, You can also move backwards within the screen, but you can't force the scrolling to go back. So you can't just turn around and go back the other way. Um, Your sub has two modes of fire. You have torpedoes for horizontal attack. You have missiles and mines to handle targets above and below you. Um, You can collect power-ups for different missiles... Um, you can either have like a homing mode, or you can have a, a gun mode, which fires diagonally with the direction of your sub, so you control which direction the gun fires in. Um, and underwater, you either release mines to the surface, or you fire like these missiles that can, you know, hit things that are directly above you. Um, and then there's also different power-ups that you can use for the torpedoes. You can have like an armor-piercing type, um, a sonic wave that accompanies other types of torpedoes that will create like a suction effect. And you even have um, another type that's like shorter range. It doesn't reach the end of the screen, but it explodes in a cluster when it, when, once it reaches a certain um, distance. So those are good for certain types of enemies, depending. Um, you can also collect treasure. Mm. 
Uh, these appear as what look like Dragon Balls <laughs> in the game. These like these little, these kind of wait. What are Dragon Balls from the you know <laughs> what are we talking from the about anime here? or comic? Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> yeah, but maybe it was the some form of anatomy of dragons. Uh, that I'm not no, aware no, no, of. No. Okay, we're not going there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, these are like, these look like, uh, you know, like red, like spheres with like a star, like a little star on them. Yeah, I'm not too familiar with that anime. I'm sorry. <laughs> but maybe it's that's okay, a no, benefit. Uh... Um, so if you collect a hundred, you get an extra ship. Uh-huh. So this is like just a little extra goal to have in mind. Um, believe it or not, there is a story to this game. Hmm. <laughs> Who would think? Do you really need a story for most of these types of shooters? I mean, they must be underwater for a reason, right? Exactly. Um, So the story is something like um, there's something called the DAS, or the Dark Anarchy Society, as it's being presented in the English version. Apparently, in the Japanese version, it's more something called the Destroy and Satsujin Society. (laughs) And Satsujin means massacre in Japanese. Mm -hmm. So this is a hardcore group. Um, they used a magnetic doomsday weapon on the polar ice caps, and they caused the world to be flooded. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so, basically, of course, you know, they're creating some even more massive super weapon for some reason. Uh, I don't know. Destroying the world it wasn't enough. Yeah. So, they had to go a little extra step. Um, so, naturally, there's a resistance that was formed. Um, and the resistance has, um, this newly developed submarine called the Granvia, and that's your ship in the game. Grandia? Granvia. Oh, Granvia. Huh. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, you're trying to infiltrate, um, the territories of the DAS and destroy, you know, Is their, it a their single player or, or two player co-op? Um, I've only noticed, um... A single player mode, but maybe hmm. there is a way to for for two player mode in this okay. one as well. I think that's possible on the arcade version. I'm not sure if hmm. that's possible on the PlayStation version. Okay. So there's six stages in the game. Uh, you've got Antarctica, is where you start. It's cold. Yeah. Wow, what a place to start. Okay. Um, this is a vertically very tall stage, so you have a lot of space to be able to move in. You know, vertical space. Um, you can surface to fire missiles at helicopters, jets, gun turrets, various enemies there. Um, they also will drop mines in the water, so, you know, you have to kind of watch for that. Um, there's a segment where there's, like, uh, freeze rays underwater, and that, that kind of creates sections and chambers, mm-hmm. and will lock you in place if you get hit. Um, that's kind of interesting. It's not, it doesn't really damage you, but it does like immobilize you and makes you vulnerable to, to fire to some degree. Um, the initial boss in this one is a large submarine naturally, um, that shoots like these long chains at you. Is he the same size as you or is it like a mega? Huge no, it's much, it's sub- a bit bigger. Okay. It's like a good, like quarter of the screen oh. type of size. Um, and then like these tentacle like chains are coming at you. Um, as long as you stay between them, uh, it's not really much of a problem. You just continue to shoot him until he blows up. Um, the next stage takes you to something called the channel. <laughs> and this is like kind of in a seaport or a shipyard. And um, this one is a bit more, you know, restricted in movement. You have a very, you have very shallow water to maneuver in. Um, really, you only have like maybe two heights worth of your submarine to maneuver in. 
So it's very like shallow water, very short um, amount of space to move hmm. in. Um, starts to remind me a little bit of our type here because you have very like, you know, like small spaces to move into. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Same company. So. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, squadrons of like Harrier type jets will will drop in and drop like very high velocity torpedoes in front of hmm. you. Um, you encounter a very large battleship boss pretty pretty early on, um, and you see some elements that would be familiar to Metal Slug also in this, because you have you start to see like these over animated explosions. And, um, you know, like various types of scenery, stuff happening in the background that don't directly relate to the gameplay. It's just more of just visual eye candy. Any like stuff. sea life get involved? So, like dolphins and uh, sharks? No, no, you don't okay. see any of that here. Um, you see things like uh, buildings exploding from the inside out. Like once you hit them, you see like an explosion. Buildings? Kind of... But you're on the water. Well, you're in a shipyard. You're kind of on, on, near the docks. So oh. you see like... A lot of um, stuff in the background, like okay. um, like these tanks will emerge from like warehouses. They look like warehouses on like the piers. And um, if you don't, you could like pop up on the surface and shoot them with your missiles. But then if they make it into the water, if they make it to the edge of the pier, they'll jump off and they'll drop in the water and then they'll continue to shoot you in mm. the water. So that's, um, you know, some, some strategy here. You probably want to prevent them from jumping. Um... You have other enemies that like like a large bomber type of uh, plane flying overhead. Um, you have a large armored bulldozer. And at one point you have uh, this freight train that's going by. And it's loaded with torpedoes. And naturally the torpedoes are dropping in the water. <laughs> so you want to try to blow up the bridge while it's crossing. Um, and the end boss here is a large armored suit. Like that's kind of like it looks like it's in dry dock or like like in another one of the piers there, and it has these laser cannons on it um, that you can shoot them off. But um, these robot arms will come in while you're fighting it and like replace the parts that you're shooting. Mm. So um, eventually it'll drop in the water, but you know as long as you find like you know space to hide in, and there are some safe spots that you can sort of um, use to provide cover. Uh, it's not too bad. Uh, the next one's called Seabed Ruins. <laughs> and this stage starts with, like, a large sea creature. And it almost looks like a statue. Mm-hmm. Right? Reminds me of, like, um, a, like a Janus-style statue, which is, like, kind of this mythological, um, type of thing. So it looks like you're sort of, I don't know, maybe some somewhere in the Mediterranean, perhaps. Um... And it starts climbing. So this is like a very... This whole stage is, is vertical, right? So um, it starts climbing the sides of like a cliff. And you have to stay ahead of its advance while enemy subs are pass, you know, popping in from the sides. And layers of ruins will like block your path. And um, there's also magnetic mines that you have to watch out for. And more of those mechs from before will also show up. Uh you have to sort of um, use your your missiles to break paths in the in a brick wall. So this is really intricate. It looks really cool, actually. Like eventually, you hit a point where you're like, "Wow, this is a solid wall. How am I supposed to get past this?" Mm-hmm. But you can start shooting, and you'll like you can burrow into the wall. Like you're almost like digging through solid uh, brick to get away from this um, this creature that's like emerging from below you. Um, at the top, you eventually. 
will, you know, get to the, what looks like the top. And there's, like, blocks on the ceiling of this cavern that you're in. And basically what you have to do is you have to, like, use your missiles to knock these blocks off to fall onto the creature's head below you. Um, hmm. So it gets pretty challenging. It's it's not too bad, though. Once you get into, like, a pattern, you can take it out pretty easily. Um, and the funny thing is, as the creature takes damage in this, in this um, setting you see layers of its face get exposed. You could sort of start to see like, like, cause it looks like a very, it has like a rocky appearance. It looks almost like a statue, but then as it takes damage, you see like musculature and stuff exposed on its face. And, um, it even like will open its mouth and like emit floating eyeballs at you and stuff. Hmm. It's kind of gruesome. Um, the stage is complete when the creature's head is completely destroyed and there's just like a bloody like neck left wow. behind. So, I wasn't expecting that level of gore in this type of game. Yeah. It's so cute and like friendly looking normally because mm-hmm. like the because your sub is kind of chunky mm-hmm. and looks kind of you know like especially when you're in turbulent waters it, you see it like rocking back and forth. So there's a lot of like little animations around it to make it look a little more cute. It's not mm-hmm. like a it's like like a serious sub. <laughs> <laughs> um, then you get to this area called Sunken Town. And this looks a bit like a modern city that's been, like, that's fallen into the water, you know. And uh, the skies above it are very stormy. Um, the enemies here start to get kind of fast. They're very sm- they're small subs. Um, they look like they might have vaguely Soviet-like markings on them. But I think that's probably the evil organization that you're trying to stop. Um they also have like larger subs that can launch mini subs at you. So, you know, the whole like sub thing is, is taken to, uh, uh, the next level on this one. Um, you have mine layers that, that go across the surface and drop like series of mines in front of you. Uh, you even have to dodge your way through, um, underwater ICBMs being launched. So there's like a wall of missiles taking off these like, like giant rockets basically. Mm-hmm. And there's like a very narrow space between them. And you have to somehow navigate your way through that. You can also control their rate of movement. So if you fire at the missile at the top half of it, you slow it down. And if you follow, if you shoot it on the lower half, it, you speed it up. So you can almost create like a little pathway for yourself trying to get through there. But it's a pretty tricky stage, actually. It's not that obvious of how you, how you get through it initially. Um... Eventually, the, the big boss here is um, uh, a pair of, uh, like, what look like mechanized, like, sea s- snails. They look like, they're, they, you know, they're robot enemies, but they look like giant slugs or something. And they have, like, a vacuum beam that they try to suck you in mm. with. Uh, but they just move in a very simple circular pattern. So as long as you just spam all of your horizontal and vertical attacks, not much of a challenge there. Um, then we get into a point where it's called the deep dark sea. <laughs> um, you spend an, only a s- small moment in like the open ocean before you enter like a rocky tunnel and you notice that the headlights for your sub come on at oh, this point. Cool. So it's a neat little effect. You enter a cavern where like these red bubbles flow up and they're not menacing. They just kind of lift you up to the surface. Um, but the problem with that is that there's like lava, like fireballs sort of falling down onto the water. So you don't, you probably don't want to, you want to try to stay underwater in this point. Um, 
as you descend further, you get more and more into like what looks like a like kind of a lava type of uh, area. There's like fireballs shooting from like the sides, hmm. so it starts to get a little more challenging here. You have to really fire continuously to prevent something from like landing on you. Um, and the designs of the enemy ships start to look a little different here too. They look a little more steampunk for some reason. <laughs> Couldn't really. It doesn't look like it's part of the same faction at all. Weird. Yeah. Um, but the big monster here. There's like a giant like Godzilla type monster that you have to face at the end of all this, and uh, it's kind of turtle-like. It's got like multiple heads and stuff. Hmm. Um, the heads are upside down too, so like they don't look it. But as soon as they open their jaws to like shoot at you, you can see like their heads like mounted upside down, which makes it a little more like like alien looking, I guess. Um, so they're breathing fire, spitting fireballs. You still have to worry about rocks falling from the sides. Um, this was probably the first, like, really hard thing in, that I've encountered in the game. I mean, the, most of the game is pretty easygoing. You know, it's like kind of a low-pressure type of shooter. Uh, but this one is really, you know, like the first hard fight in the game. And the key with surviving this was just to find, like, a safe spot in the corner to try to, like, shoot out. And I also noticed at this point that, like, the vents will, like, light up right before they shoot their little fireball. Uh-huh. Um, but it happens, like, a split second after that. So it's not really much of a warning. Now, this is... It's an arcade... Based on the arcade game. So right. when you die, is it just, like, insert coin and then you just bring your next player in? Or is it, like, mm-hmm. you have to start from the beginning of the stage? Like, no, no. You can... Some shooters, you have to start at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, right. I mean... You can continue on the spot, basically. On the spot, okay. Yeah, you don't have to start over at any Mm. point. Only if you get, like, a full game over, I guess. Yeah, how would you get that? Well, if you run out of credits. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're only... Like, you can set the number of ships that you get in the Uh beginning. I think the default's to four. But then you can put it up to five, or you can put it as low as, like, two or three, I think. Mm. Okay. So, yeah. I think you only get... mm, Maybe four continues. Oh, Maybe. So it's not like uh, MAME where you can just add more credits as you not play? Not during anything? the game. Okay. No. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you get, like, just whatever, however many continues hmm. the game allows you. Um, now, the final stage comes up after this. This is stage six. It's called the enemy base. So I guess that's how you know. That's where the enemies are. That's where, that's where the enemies <laughs> are. <laughs> um, you're now in the base. It looks like it's kind of like a typical Bond villain submarine base looking kind of a place. Um, you get back to some of the basic enemies that you started with, you know, helicopters and mechs and gun turrets and things like that. Um, you run into like this super sub, which has like kind of like tougher torpedoes to beat. And you also have another wall of like ICBM underwater missiles to get through. Um, and that was kind of tough, too. It was longer than the previous stage, so you really had to, you know, manage your very limited maneuverability well. Um, and then a multi-stage rocket approaches, which you have to maneuver around and destroy each stage. So it looks pretty cool. It's like a, it's like an underwater, like, rocket, but, like, flying horizontally. And you, like, come up to it from behind. And it has, like, different sections in the back that you, that you can, you know, blow off. Um, and of course it's like dropping mines and torpedoes and stuff like that. Um, and this is sort of the, the final fight in the game. This is kind of where, you know, 
this is like the big end boss. Hmm. Uh, and this one was also pretty tough. Um, like you couldn't really tell how much damage this thing had to take, but basically you have to alternate between being in front of it and behind it. And, um, you know, it shoots behind from behind a lot. Like when you're in front of it, it's fairly easy. It's not that hard. Um, but when you're behind it, there's like a barrage of, of torpedoes coming at you all the time. Um, so this one was pretty challenging final fight. Um, and that's kind of the final battle in the game. Did you finish it? I did. Okay. Yeah. With a lot of continues. (laughs) (laughs) So, but so does, does it have like power ups or well, like what, what, like what kind of variety and like ship enhancements do you have as you mm. play? Well, you really only have one stage of enhancements in the game. Mm-hmm. So you have you can buff up your your overhead shots, your your missiles basically, yeah. and you can you can buff your torpedoes. Just like one layer of and that's it. And that like it's one layer really. Okay. But you get so you see multiple power ups drop as you're playing. But you know it's basically just used to switch between the different types. Hmm. So in case you feel you need like. No smart bombs or anything like that? Nothing that will oh. help you clear the screen if that's what you want to do. Nothing like that. Yeah, I so, thought it was kind of fun, though. I thought it was really? like... Yeah, I liked it a lot. Uh, I mean, I like the art style. That's kind of what it drew me to the game in the first <laughs> place. Um, but I also found it a very, like I said, like a low-pressure shooter. It's like, it's not a bullet hell. It's not a manic shooter where you're like, you know, you're hitting continue every five seconds. This is like, you know, you're just cruising along and you, you decide when you want to move forward and when it's safe to proceed. Um, you know, the game does encourage you to keep moving forward like all these games do. But I found it, um, you know, pretty uh, chill to play. Enjoy. Well, I did look it up and it is two-player co-op, okay. at least in the arcade version. Mm-hmm. I don't know about the home version. Uh, what I remember of this game, and it, this wasn't something that I really played back in the day, but... Uh, my memories of it were, it came out at a weird time. It was like we said, like a launch game on the P- PlayStation. Yeah, right, right, right at the start of the thirty-two. Yeah, right. So period. start of the thirty-two bit, and we just came off of the sixteen bit era, which was mm-hmm. possibly like the best time, like the golden age of shooters. Mm-hmm. Like you had Gyrez and Axelay and uh-huh. you know Blazingly, all these great like shoot 'em up games, and then you have In the Hunt comes out right. and. This was, like, you know, a very slow-paced game, like you said. Mm -hmm. Um, Visually, you know, the animations are really good, but it's not, like, you know, anything breaking the mold, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I remember when it came out, it was just kind of like, oh, you know, we have all these groundbreaking games coming out, and then there's this. It's like, well, why would they release this game? feels like an old arcade Mm -hmm. game from, like, well, it 10 is. years it's a, before. It's but a game from three years before. <laughs> only three years, right. Sure. So it's not even that old, but it felt really old. It uh-huh. felt, like, really outdated and... Yeah, well, it's a fairly short game, too. I mean, you know... You and then to, on top of that, yeah, it's a short game. You know, I mean, if you play this game and you know what you're doing and you're good at it, you know, it's maybe 45 minutes of playtime. It's time. really scratched... I'm scratching my head trying to figure out, like, mm-hmm. why did this even make it to... American consoles. Yeah. Especially Sony was strict on bringing out 2D style games. Mm -hmm. And somehow this made it onto the platform. Maybe like this was the reason why (laughs) after that came out, there were like no more 2D games. That's it. (laughs) It's possible. Yeah. Yeah. I guess there's a few examples of games like this at that time, you know, like 
like I guess a Raiden project was out and you yeah, know that like, was another one that's true that's um, a good point you know like maybe I, I never said like Raiden Tread right it was something like that well that was I think it was, well, called, was, it was called that, that on Genesis oh okay but on PlayStation it was called Raiden Project okay. I think it was more than one game right and um even like stuff like that some of the Taito shooters that were out at that time like you know Ray Crisis and games like that so yeah, I guess you know there was still some interest in arcade ports. Hmm. Um, you know, I th- I would think they were by then they were already doing like collections and compilations of arcade yeah, games. Yeah. Because I think maybe a standalone title didn't have as quite as much value. Um, at least, you know, at least for a home like forty dollar purchase. Yeah, I mean, not too long after that were the Namco collections that came out, mm-hmm. which were five games. For yeah. Fifty dollars. Yeah, five they started games, doing like more that. than that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, right. You had, like, I guess the, some of the Williams collections were out yep. by then. Stuff like that. Yeah. That's right, yeah. Yeah, so, I don't know. A bit of a throwback. Interesting time. Mm-hmm. But um, I was always curious about this game, so I wanted to try it. Yeah. It's like, what, like, for me in video games, like, water is always, like, the worst element to have. <laughs> It's like, that's just instant slowdown, you know. I always think water, it's like, I gotta worry about oxygen, mm-hmm. everything's gonna be super slow, right. my jumps are gonna be, like, uh, you know, overly enhanced because mm-hmm. you're in water. It's like, I always think of, like, negative stuff, and meanwhile, this whole game is, like, you think shoot 'em ups you're thinking, like, fast-paced, like, action, and no, bullets yeah. flying all over the place, and then you combine with it with water, and I'm like, oh, so it's like a shoot 'em up slow down, like, 20 times. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I'd but it's that. not that bad. It's just you know I played it a little bit right before we recorded this just to get a feel of it, mm-hmm. and it's okay. Yeah, it's <laughs> fun. I like it a lot. I, I recommend trying. And it reminds it. me a little bit. I could see the influences of the Metal Slug style of mm-hmm. animations and stuff. Yep. But I feel a little. I feel a little bit of the like UN Squadron almost mm-hmm. from that time period. I could see that because there's a lot of military jets and yeah. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You do see that also. Yep. So give it a try. (laughs) Well, how about you then? So uh, for me, I did not play a whole lot as usual. I've been kind of slacking. But um, I do have two games that I looked at. One of them was a free game this week on iOS. It's called Slayin'. Slay-in? Slay-in with uh, with the little apostrophe at the end. Is this a Christmas game game? No, it's not uh, (laughs) like... Slaying down a hill uh-huh. of snow. It's as in slaying a dragon. Right. Okay. Sort of thing. All right. So it's like a fantasy type of uh, game? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. This has been on my wish list for actually probably a good two years now. And I've, I've never seen it go on sale. It was only a dollar. Like, I don't know why I didn't just buy it. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like stubborn about certain things. So uh, I finally picked it up. And I, I've heard some good things about this game from other people. And it started off as a Flash game. And I think 2010 or so, or 11. But it was finally released on iOS in 2012. So it is an older title. Mm-hmm. It's done in the uh, 8-bit art style. It's very simple, pixel graphics. And uh, similar to a game I talked about last week, you only have two ways of movement. You have left and right, mm-hmm. and jump. And that's it. Okay. The whole game is based on one uh, screen... There's no scrolling or anything. Mm. And very simplistic game style. It's enemies falling from the screen or coming from below or on the sides of the screen. So you're getting uh, bombarded by enemies constantly. And you just have to run into them with your sword. Okay. You're just running into them to kill them. 
Um, typically, just the one hit kills the enemy, except for some bosses. There's five bosses in the game. Every ten levels, you'll get a boss, um, and he's larger, and you know takes like five hits or ten hits depending on the boss. Uh, so between stages, you'll get, uh, or in, sometimes in between this, during the stage, you'll have a shopkeeper who pops up, mm. and you can upgrade your weapons, or you can buy like a shield or armor, and uh, that'll kind of like give you a little boost to get you through the next couple of levels. Mm. Nice. As you kill the enemies, they drop uh, coins and other things that kind of give you health back and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So you have to... So, now, when you say you have to run into them with your sword... It, literally like, walking into them. So you don't have to swing your sword. You don't have to time your attacks or anything nope. like that. No, because right? there's no button for that. It's just left and right movement. Uh-huh. So as soon as you... It's similar to if you ever played Ease, like mm-hmm. that kind of combat. You just kind of walk into the enemy and it kills them. <laughs> I see. So it gets a little tricky when you have guys coming up in all directions because you want to walk into the enemies, but you know if you want to jump, then you have to be careful where you jump because the guys above you, you know, find mm-hmm. different angles. And then there's some enemies which you can't kill; they throw like skulls at you, and you have to kind of jump over the skulls mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So um, it's sort of like a quick, you know, load it up on your phone and play for a couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, if I'm not that into it. Um, I don't know. It feels a little bit light. I feel like there's, I wish there was a little bit more to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like it that it starts over from the beginning every time. I guess those type of like rogue style roguelike games. Do so that. But it's really just so. What is it? A score challenge? Would you I say? guess yeah. I guess a level and score challenge. See how many levels you can, you can pile up. There's some things like you can buy different um, skins, like graphic skins. Mm-hmm. And then you can also uh, unlock the music. The music's very 8-bit sounding, old chip tune. Mm-hmm. What else can you buy? Um, you can buy gravestones. <laughs> so when you what beat, does that do? so your high score, like the leaderboard, rather than just like a list of names, you see you go into a graveyard and you can see your friends. I guess from Game Center, you can see their top scores, but there are tombstones. Mm. That's clever. Yeah, and you'll see like your name etched on a tombstone with your score and okay. level. <laughs> so you can kind of customize that by buying like uh, with your gold mm-hmm. different things. Not bad. But a yeah, simple game. It's uh, from the company Pixel Liquor. <laughs> if you ever heard, heard of them, so you can play this on PC, I believe. I think it's still a Flash game. But the iOS one, I think, expands a little bit on what the Flash game originally set out to do. Mm-hmm. So, um, I guess it's worth checking out for free. And then the other game I played, which was uh, something that's also been on my list for since it came out. It's called Monument Valley. Hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard of this one. Sounds vaguely familiar. It is on iOS, Android, and Windows phone. And it's from the company, from the developer Us2. It was hmm. released last year. Now, I'm interested in this because of the art style. It is very M.C. Escher influenced. Okay. And I I do like his art. Um, I played a game, I think, a couple months ago called The Bridge, which also had that kind of art style. Mm, Sure. So very similar to that. This is isometric. um, Similar almost to Fez Mm -hmm. in that, almost in like gameplay and style. Um, This is a little bit simpler. You're... You have this character named Ida. She's a girl. Um, she's all dressed all in white, and she has this like dunce cap on. Mm-hmm. And you have to lead her through this maze to get to the exit, the exit door. You know, early on, 
The exit door uh, is just one game screen, and you have to get to the top of the maze. Later on, you're going through multiple doors and going through different screens to get to the exit. Mm-hmm. So the cool thing about this is, rather than just a straightforward maze, this is purely based on the illusions of the M.C. Escher style of uh, artworks. Like, it's mm-hmm. all optical illusions. Okay. So you might see, and it's hard to describe this in words, but you might see like an, uh, a road that goes like straight, and then there's another um, you know, platform next to it, mm-hmm. but there's a gap there. However, there might be a spot on the board where you can rotate. And once you rotate the screen, those two platforms now overlap, even though they're not, like, spatially, they're sort of not touching, but because it's on a 2D plane, they're now connecting, and now you can walk across that. So, it plays a lot with illusion. Mm -hmm. So, definitely a puzzle platformer. It is a puzzle platformer, (laughs) yeah. Um, You know, not not a whole lot of sections where you rotate, but there are a lot of things that you're going to see pop up, and, you know, it's usually indicated with dots, things that you can rotate and twist. Um, overall, this game is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, if you have an iOS or Android device and don't have this game yet, unless you're just not into puzzle games, mm-hmm. but definitely like, don't even hesitate. This game is totally worth it. There is one in-app purchase, which unlocks, um, I think you start off with eight levels and then it unlocks an additional eight levels. Hmm. I didn't even second guess. Like I totally unlocked it right away. <laughs> it is an amazing game. This is one of the best games I've ever played on iOS. I do like these puzzle type of games, though. Mm-hmm. So, and, and of course, it's feeding into my love of this artwork and style. So, it was like a perfect combination of everything so for me. So, it appeals on multiple levels. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, you could probably check out some YouTube videos of it first, if you're not sure. But it was on sale for, I think, three bucks. Um, nice. The best stage I liked of all of them was this puzzle box board. And it reminds me of another iOS game. Um, I think it's... What's that game called? That puzzle box game? I forget what it's called. Um, it's also an award-winning game. Mm. But anyway, it's uh, this box that you are constantly going through doors and unlocking sections of this box. And the box, like, transforms. And you'll open up one side and it'll really, really, like, reveal... Uh, this whole section and then the box will like kind of transform and spin and then like another section of the box opens up so it's pretty cool it was really good that sounds rad like as I'm playing I'm like trying to picture myself well if I had like a level designer how would I make this game and I could not even like imagine the artists like how they even started kind of like picturing how these puzzles would work and stuff very very good yeah it must take a lot of planning (laughs) yeah I don't know I think they spent I think they spent about 10 months making this game, I believe. Mm-hmm. But totally worth it. Very good game. That sounds like a solid recommendation. Yeah. Yeah, I had fun with that. Um, the downside to it is kind of short. I think it took me about two to three hours to finish it, even with the in-app purchasing. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, it's not something that's going to last you that long. But it's enjoyable. I mean, for $3, like, I'm not going to complain about that. Hmm. Yeah, good stuff. Perfect. So that was kind of it. I, I ended up watching some some shows this week. On uh, I thought, uh, what do you call it? Was gonna Orange is the New Black was gonna premiere season three. Yeah, I went on to Netflix thinking that was gonna be mm-hmm. on, but uh, it was next week apparently. So mm. I'm a week behind. <laughs> so I ended up watching some other like Sense Eight show. Okay, that's that another that one of the original series, my, right? Yeah, yeah. That's where some of my time went. Mm-hmm. But that's it. Um, yeah, I didn't play much else. Uh, 
But uh, actually, some pickups this week. Um, I didn't technically pick up anything. <laughs> technically? Technically. I, I made a lot of purchases, though. And I'm not going to... I don't want to spoil it yet, but I, I spent um, some money. And actually, I actually went in on a Kickstarter this week. Wow. My first ever Kickstarter. And you know my feelings on Kickstarter. I don't I don't believe in a lot of it. That's true, yeah. So um, I, didn't, I don't want to talk about it yet because I didn't get the item. So I'm not going to wait until I actually get it. Mm. But it was an art book that... Um, for, for G.I. Joe. It's a G.I. Joe art book. Interesting. So, uh, when that ships, then I'll talk about it, but... Very cool. Yeah. Maybe uh, people want to get in on that, too. Uh, it's over. It's over, right? Yeah. Oh, they hit uh, their goal, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, very nice. Yep. Excellent. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Looking forward How to that. How about you? Did you pick up anything? Um, buy anything interesting? I did. I did pick up things. Uh, unfortunately, that means spending money, but what can I do? That's your specialty. This is where you, <laughs> My specialty. you exceed in life. <laughs> it's not something I'm looking for. Um, well, all right, let's see. Well, usually I lead off with some digital items. Um, that's usually what I usually get. I did get some of those, but I'll talk about, um, are these steam sale items? Uh, not Summer yet. Okay. Not yet. Believe it or not. These, uh, the GOG sale actually, uh, started first, yeah, GOG.com, uh-huh. or, or good old games, as they're sometimes used to be called. Did you find some things? Um, I got a couple of things. Um, for one thing, I got um, what they call the Summer Flight School Bundle. And what that was, was a collection of games um, from the Descent uh, series, if you remember oh, Descent. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Um, this is a series? I thought it was just the one game. Well, there was Descent 1 and 2. Super Descent. There's Descent 3. Okay. There's Descent with Mercenary, actually, which was, huh. I think, an expansion for Never that. knew about these. And there was the yeah. sort of the Descent spinoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, Descent Free Space, uh, which you know came in like what's called a battle pack. And as well as Free Space 2. And all these together were a mere $8.99. So that was not mm. too bad. Uh, at the same time was another game that I've been, um, you know, one of these games that I remember when it first came out and I played it for, you know, five, ten minutes and said, oh, I'll have to get back to this. And I never did. <laughs> and that's uh, a mech action game called Slave Zero. I don't know if you recall this game. Um, it came out hmm. on PC. It also came out on Dreamcast. That sounds really familiar. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not familiar with it, but it, this the the word. I don't know. I might have seen it. I don't yeah. know. definitely didn't play it though. Yeah, I think it, it got pretty mediocre reviews at the time. Huh. Um, but I feel like I remember playing it, and I always meant to get back to it. So um, now here's like a fresh, clean copy cool. that is compatible with modern OSs yeah. and, and isn't it yeah. great that we have like access to all these games and they're so cheap <laughs> it's crazy it's amazing that was a mere dollar 49 from GOG it's <laughs> crazy like yeah with a click of a button you have all these games I mean normally it's six dollars which is pretty cheap anyway uh-huh. but you know for about 49 I can't really complain sure um the scent games you know I remember when they first came out as well yeah yeah definitely. um I didn't I didn't actually play them mm-hmm I think I might have played the PlayStation version. Right. Which wasn't that great. Well, you know, at the time, too, there was... I mean, I first got it on the PC. Okay. And this is a game that was in full 3D space. I know. And yeah. there really weren't, too many, really weren't too many controller options uh-huh. for games like that. Especially a game that allowed you to move 
in all six axes at the time. Now, if you remember, the PS3 controller was called the six-axis controller, yes. right? Yeah. Because you could, you know, you could rotate uh, mm-hmm. along all those different modes. And there was just no easy way to do that on the PC at the time. I remember trying to mash keyboard keys at the same time yeah. to try to get my ship to move the way I wanted it to. And uh, it just wasn't pleasant. Uh, but it was such an intriguing game that I still wanted to play it, like... So I kind of put up with it, but now I think I can safely revisit huh. it and maybe I think give it. It might have been 3DO. Now that I think about it, was it on 3DO? I don't remember it being on 3DO. Hmm. Um, but you know, the free space games as well are more of like outer space uh, space shooter type games. Okay, maybe similar to like X Wing, like the Star Wars X Wing games. Um, tons and tons of user mods for that game. Hmm. A lot of community. Do content. those still exist? There, there's fan sites out there where you can grab additional content for these games that, that remake the game into new games and basically, you know, give you um, more things to do with it. Wow. So, <laughs> because I don't have enough games to play, I, added, yeah, I, know, right? I decided to add these as well. Um, and another downloadable that I grabbed mm-hmm. is a brand new game that I was not expecting to get, but a friend of mine had a spare code. For wow. uh, The Witcher 3. A spare code. A spare code. What a friend. Yeah. Well, we trade games. Okay. When, when, I, when I get digital games that for, I have For a new extras. game, though? How do you get spare codes for new games? Um, so, this is The Witcher 3, The Wild Hunt. Did it just come out? Just came out. I don't usually get games like this when they're brand new. Yeah. Um, so, he got it through a promotion through um, his wife's job. Mm. They had um, we were providing codes to employees. The plot thickens, and uh, he got an extra one. Uh huh. Exactly. Fell off a truck. In other words, <laughs> uh, no, these are legit. Okay. I mean, I went to went to the site and redeemed it, and it's mm-hmm. perfectly legit. There's no issue there. That's good. So this is another hundred hour game, right? Right. One hundred at least. Minimum. And this is, uh, you know, <laughs> a huge, huge game. These hours are adding up. I, I mean, I have the I have The Witcher one and two, and I haven't played those yet. Nice. So, I'm sure. But I might, you know what? I might I might bypass those and go straight to this one, just because it's been so long since I've played a brand new game right at launch, where I can sort of enjoy the. I don't know, maybe the the I wouldn't say industry hype, but at least the excitement among players who are yeah. you know currently it's supposed to be very good playing the game and experiencing it. And, um, you know, might be, I might, I might, I've heard, I don't know how the PC version is, but I've heard the PS4 one mm-hmm. is glitchy, but good. Right. Right. Well, the PC, I think version has some issues of its own, but yeah. you know, these are, these are launch pains for, for a game this complex There's going to be little things that they need to fix. I've watched some Twitch streams of it. Mm-hmm. Very adult game. Uh, yeah. Fantasy based mm-hmm. game. Very similar mm-hmm. to, you know, a Skyrim or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, right. um, you know, based on a work of, uh, of of fiction, it's it's not its own original game. It's you know, I think uh, I think they adapted from a book, but I think they're I think so. they've added yeah. a lot of their own stuff too that's not mm-hmm. in the book. So they've kind of fleshed it out for the game universe. Cool. Um, yeah. So wow, you did well this week. Did that? Treated but, yourself. But that wasn't it. Wow, there's more. <laughs> there's more. There's a more physical item this time. Uh. Um, I actually did a Craigslist pickup. Um, I got a a new uh, Atari computer uh, set. Not a new set, but 
<laughs> oh, I a used I was set. like, wait a minute, is there new Atari computers coming no, out? No, no, no. This is um, this is new for me, anyway. Um, but I got an 800XL with some stuff. Um, now, I've never owned an, 8, an XL series computer. I've always had a 400 or an 800, and then I got an XE after, well after that. Uh, but I never had the XLs, which were the computers that were in between. That's the one I had. Yeah. That's right. So... Um, this, Welcome to my world. <laughs> this uh, this set was an 800 XL, uh, a 1050 disk drive, um, an XM301 300 baud modem. That will come in handy. It's going to be very sure. useful. Yeah, it would plug that right into your landline, right? Uh, yeah, definitely. I'm going to have to get one of those uh, converters, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, as well as a printer, an Atari branded printer. Dot matrix. Um, Daisy wheel. How does that I, work? Not sure, actually. Mm-hmm. This is the XMM801, whatever that was. Um, I don't expect to use it. No. I don't know where I'm going to find ribbon for this That's thing. That's cool. Atari printer. Yeah. But this was also in the same era as that XM301 modem. It's got the XE style. Mm-hmm. of. Um, oh. so, it's got, so it's kind of an off-white with you know silver and red trim. So it looks like kind of like that. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, did you get any games with it? I, you know, didn't have anything else. I'm kind of, I was kind of surprised uh, at that. But huh. I think uh, I think the owner just you know having to find some of his old. Did you test it? Plug it stuff. in. Uh, I actually didn't test it. Uh, I didn't plug it in yet. Okay, but I will be. Actually, the the floppy drive, um, the 1050 doesn't it didn't come with a power supply. I think he wasn't even aware that it came with a power huh. supply. Um, yeah, good luck trying to try. So, yeah, so I'll, I'll I'll just have to get one. What about the? Isn't it? Doesn't it use the like? Was it nine pin DIN plug that goes in the back to to go to AV audio video? The uh, computer itself. Yeah. Um, like how do you hook that up? Like I remember using some kind of like a, like composite yeah. output. I think it does. It does have AV out. It does have like a, a, a you know like a some Full kind of multi pin. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know if there's any other way. Yeah, I mean, I, when I when I owned an Atari computer back then, I didn't have a I didn't have a composite monitor. I, I still have that cable. If I you only. Need. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. If you need to test it, I have my cable. Perhaps I might. Um, yeah, I, I always use RF. I always use the RF cable, so wasn't lucky enough to have a monitor. Uh, but yeah, I'll see how this one works. I wish I still had my basic games, the games I had on I programmed myself. You don't think you have them anymore? But now, when I sold my Atari, I sold all my floppy disks with it wow. that had everything that I've ever had on it. Maybe somebody dumped it and uploaded it Maybe. somewhere. Maybe. Someone in Canada has it. Okay. Not bad. But that's it for me, though. That's all. You didn't say how much you paid. Uh, oh, well, let's see. Was it a good deal, or did you get... I think it was decent. I paid $40 for the lot. For everything. That sounds Which good to okay. Me. I mean, it's not like... It's not ten bucks. It's not fifteen, but mm-hmm. it's you know forty for a complete set. I mean, it's a, it's a bit of everything. Um, you know, I don't imagine I'm going to use the motor or the printer. I really just wanted the computer, and I really just wanted a working floppy drive at this point. So um, I'm going to see what I do with it. Make chip tunes. <laughs> Utilize that pokey chip. Yeah, maybe. Might be motivated to do that. We'll see. Nice. So, um, I guess we can maybe talk about some things, other things that happened this week. Yeah. Pretty light week. Not much happening. It's been light. 
still Ab- we're still we're still in the build up to E3. So yeah, yeah. But before that happened, right? You mentioned uh, Apple had their big WWDC. Right. This is the Worldwide Developers Conference. Yeah, and they, that's usually where they showcase their new operating systems. Mm-hmm. Right. So they did show off their OS X uh, nine ten. They're up to right. Mm-hmm. Or eleven. They're up to eleven now. Um, I lost yeah. track. So they have a new uh, OS X and then a new iOS. Well, I know they named it. Yeah, that, I know the names more than numbers. So it's <laughs> OS OS nine is still the number iOS nine. Oh and no! Then, no, we're talking about iOS or we're talking about iOS. Oh, you're doing number. iOS first. Oh no! I was just going to name the names and then OS X is El Capitan. Oh, I see. And, I see what you're saying. Okay, I, don't think I got confused. The iOS versions don't have names. Right? No, they don't. Okay. At least not publicly. Right. Yeah, well, yeah, some code name or something. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Right. So El Capitan. I guess this is a more. This is more California geography. Yeah. Yeah. So did you watch the whole video? Uh, I watched pretty much the whole thing. I watched most of it. it close was... to three hours. It was over two. Yeah. For yeah. sure. I mean, really, I was interested in the iOS stuff more than anything. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I kind of hung in with the with the other stuff just to see what looked cool. Uh, I'm not a Mac user, so the OSX stuff um, wasn't of direct interest to me. But I just mm. like to see what what they're offering and what they're doing differently than Windows. Let's say. Yeah, yeah. I was a little disappointed by the OSX stuff mm-hmm. because, like you said. Um, they really didn't talk a whole lot about it. Right. And they mentioned some things, but any of the... I guess at this point, there's not a whole lot you can do to an operating system on the desktops mm. that's going to revolutionize anything. Well, I guess little quality of life improvements. Things, yeah. things to kind of smooth over any rough edges that people might feel they have using the machine. Um, I don't know. At least one thing stood out to me um, was that little minor feature that they that they talked about when... You first power up your machine, and you're trying to just get your bearings, right? You you move the mouse pointer yeah, yeah. a little bit, and it enlarges the mouse pointer on the screen, so you could sort of find it. Yeah, yeah. And wake it, it up from you. sleep, or yeah, it'll just... And then it just shinks as you know, as soon as you move the mouse. So that, I thought that was kind of clever. I thought that was a neat little thing to that, throw yeah, in. Yeah, that was a weird thing to put in there, because... Um, it's like something that you would you would think about, like something right. like that. I would have never thought that would be something that I would make. Like, but it's something that I'm thinking like that is a huge because I always have that problem when I wake up my computer, right? Because the mouse is so small, I can never find it. So I'm just constantly like moving it around to try to find the cursor. Even even every now and then while using the computer, every now and then I'll be like, hey, wait a minute, where'd my mouse pointer go? And I have to like move it back and forth until I notice it. And this one makes it super obvious. It's yeah. like, well, here's this giant mouse pointer. It's like, why did it take them that long mm-hmm. like, to come up with that idea? It's weird. Right. I mean, there might maybe almost other... I don't know if they... Sometimes they buy these technologies off other companies, like these scripts. Yeah. And then they just release it under their name. So I don't know if this has been around. And mm-hmm. No idea. But, you no, know, that was cool. Yeah. Uh, and um, I noticed, too, they, they let off with like a little statistic, right? They said that adoption rate is really big. For their updates? They're always bragging. Well, because they force it to you, really. Well, I mean... <laughs> They're always bragging yeah, about it. They tell you how, like, 55% of active Mac users are running, um, you know, Mavericks, I guess. Maver- um, Yosemite. Oh, Yosemite. Yeah. All right. That's okay. the current one, yeah. <laughs> right. And they say that only 7% of Windows users are using 8.1. 
you know, and I'm thinking, well, but is that because it's free? Is that because it's a free update and everybody could Probably. just update it yeah. whenever they want? Like, I'm sure that is a good... I mean, if you're on Windows 7, you have to buy 8-point. Their adoption rates were pretty high even before Mm -hmm. when they charged for it, but Apple never charged a whole lot. It's been been a long time since they charged more than... Right. Because it was like, I think it was like 80, and then they dropped the price to 20 for a couple of versions. I remember when and it used to be... And then with Snow Leopard, it was free. I remember when it used to be like $130 for the yeah, OS update. Yeah, 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 something like that, And it was right? an annual thing, too. Um, Not on Mac. It was a one-time... Really? Yeah, yeah. You got it free with a new computer, or you had to pay for the update disc. Mm-hmm. But what happens when the next update comes out? Um... Right, yeah. So, but the updates were only like two or three years apart. They oh, weren't. Right. They weren't annual. I felt like they were more frequent, but no. uh, but I'm not. I wasn't out of the loop. Anyway. Okay, yeah. No, I was like, usually it was like every three years, mm-hmm. and then they shrunk it to like two years, and now it's like annual at this point. Okay, but that's why you don't see a whole lot of changes in the OS. That's cool. Um, that's cool that they went to free. It's not bad. Yeah, I, I think it helps I them on on a sure. support angle, obviously. If well, it, if you can get everybody on the same version, it's less complex. A lot of people were pirating it anyway. Mm-hmm. It was very easy to pirate. Right. So well, I don't think it was serialized even. No. Yeah. No, it was just like you can take that one disk that you got with your computer and use it on anything right. you wanted to. Mm-hmm. So they were just like, well, why are we fighting it? Let's just give it out. Have it, you know, let everyone enjoy it. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, so not a whole lot of features that I, I can really, that say, stand out to me. They have... Um, one big thing that they emphasized was was their new um, metal. Um, I, guess, I don't know if it's like a, a script or something or some kind of like layer in their OS. Right. Well, yeah, which is improving um, graphics capabilities, like graphical gaming performance, and- pretty much. Yeah, you see, you see this kind of initiative happening on um, on Windows as well. Is that like equivalent to like DirectX or something? I mean, or? In a sense, you could. Yeah, I mean, basically. Because they call it metal because they, it allows you to access the hardware closer to the metal, which means instead of using OpenGL with, with, low, yeah. with less uh, software layers in between. Mm. Um, so yeah, it reduces overhead basically and gives you more raw performance. Um, yeah, I think they spotlighted um, uh, a new game coming from Epic Games. Yeah, um, Fortnite. Fortnite. Yeah. Yeah. It was really actually the first time I ever really saw that game yeah, in action. Yeah, I either. <laughs> so, so it was a little uh, unusual for me to to see a, a new game yep. for the first time during a, an, <laughs> an Apple demo. So that was kind of cool. That was interesting. Yeah, yeah. We're going to see a lot more of that game next next week. I'm sure. Probably. Yep. Um, and the I other did, yeah. Well, I, I did have another thing that I thought was interesting about okay. the OS actually. Um, this uh, this new spotlight capability of like natural language queries and stuff where you can just enter all right yeah things that you, I you know instead I of just quite get that too much but I mm-hmm. don't understand like how I would use that I never use spotlight that maybe could be one right well you're not just searching for keywords now it has like a parser where it'll like try to understand what you're looking for I see for me like keywords seem like the easiest thing though it's, it's the like most that boils it down to right. you know right like why would you need more specific um, I think because you can give it queries that will group different kinds oh. of results together depending okay. on what you're looking for. Uh, but yeah, really, it d- depends on on how you're used to looking for things. If you're the more the type of person that will think that way and say, you know, give me a list of things that I did last July, for example, or something like that, then, you know, I guess it's it's got a way of interpreting that, mm-hmm. that kind of a thing. Um, but yeah, that was just something that I hadn't seen before. I thought that was cool. We'll probably see that on iPads at some point. 
the other thing that was uh, that stood out was the split view, mm-hmm. which is a, obviously a big copy from Windows, which uh, will come in super handy for me. It's one of the features of Windows I do like <laughs> that uh-huh. I use pretty often. And, uh, you know, I do a lot of work on my Mac, and I often have two browsers right next to each other. Not, not web browsers, but, like, two applications. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't, you know, to have to resize them all the time, you know, can be a pain. So, this will be good. Right. And they also have a feature in Safari, which is something that I've been wanting for a long time. Which was, is, uh, I didn't even know it would be a feature, but if there's music playing on a page... And you don't know where it's coming from. There's like a an option where like it'll show you, you know, what what it is, like oh, a pop right. up or something. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was pretty cool. When I saw that, I was like, yes, like that's something that <laughs> always bothers me when I'm on a web page and like a video is playing and something's happening in the background. And I don't know where it's coming from. Yeah, I'm used to seeing that on Chrome. Uh, oh, is that a Chrome feature? Well, okay. I don't know. I don't know if it works exactly the same way, but basically, if you're if you got a lot, of, you know, like thirty tabs open or something, and then a flash video starts playing on one of them, and you don't know where that's coming from. Yeah, like you see, like a little speaker icon on the tab that's producing the sound in Chrome. So that's ah, okay. and that's usually how huh. you can you know you can find you can find the offending page and like you know isolate it or turn it off or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So for the OS, that's about all I picked out out of that. Mm-hmm. Now. They also yeah. did some iOS. Yeah, the iOS now there's a little bit more changes. There's actually quite a bit. Right. And I'm not going to go through. I, I picked out a few that stood out to me as like things that I'm really looking forward to. Right. Um, I guess I'll start with uh, one. One big thing was now uh, video streaming. Mm-hmm. So they're gonna they have a new API now that games will be able to I guess like stri- stream to Twitch kind of like you do on your PS4. Really? It'll operate with the video camera That's really and you'll also be able to stream and, and record your games as you're playing them. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty big. Some games already do it. Yeah. And I, and I guess they're doing it within the software of their game. Uh-huh. But now they're going to actually have their own um, some kind of like you know. Is this like an airplay thing related um, to that? I don't know. Do you know I mean you don't like you can just go directly to the web with this, right? You don't need to. Yeah. You don't need anything in between. All right, so maybe no, not. supposedly this is supposed to be like a live streaming kind of thing, like okay. just like you would on a PS4, like you would do. You All know, right. your very cool. Yeah. Um, another thing is now having more control over video recording, which mm-hmm. is something I've wanted for since the beginning, and I can't believe it took them this long. But now you can specify if you want to record in 720 or 1080. Um, what frames per second you want. Um, if you want to record in slow-mo, you can customize it. It's using the camera. Using the, uh, the default camera. Uh-huh. So I think there are, yeah, I mean, like, if you use another third-party camera, I think you can customize that already, but this will be, like, standard in the in the regular camera. Okay. Um, they're also redoing the podcast app, so I think everyone's going to need to look at that when they listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know much about the details of what they're redoing, but... Um, and this is going to sound s- kind of stupid, but um, the Notes app is being re- like totally redone, mm-hmm. and like they they spent quite a bit of time on it, and it's kind of dumb. I'm like I'm thinking I'm like this company like they have all this money and all these like they're th- they're supposed to be like this groundbreaking company like and then they're showing off this like note application for like fifteen twenty minutes, mm-hmm. and like to me it seemed like a waste of time, but. The truth is, like, I'm really looking forward to this because I use that. I I always need, like, a sketch pad, and I'm constantly using these type of, like, note type of applications. I just use Google Docs by default. 
and uh, see that that's okay. Yeah, I, mean, I have that on there too. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, so this is going to combine like the, a bunch of all of these like applications, and it's going to give you like um, handwriting, like touch handwriting. It's going to give you um, like easy to drag and drop links in there from other websites. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all integrated into Apple's ecosystem, so it's going to work very smoothly. Very nice. So I'm looking forward to that. And then the other big thing, which is the final thing, and this is was this was really like the the highlight of the whole show for me is the keyboard enhancements. Uh huh. Because <laughs> that's the one thing that really frustrates me. It's adding copy and paste and right. arrow keys and all sorts of other like gadgets to the keyboard. So um, and and also mouse scrolling with you, with two fingers. Mm-hmm. So when you want to navigate your text, you can now use two fingers and move your cursor where you want it to go. Mm. And that's something that I want even on on Android, and you can't do that on Android. So I'm super excited about that because <laughs> I do. I use my iPad a lot. I'm, yeah, I use that more than my desktop. That's uh, computer. Sure, sure for a lot of people. Yeah, it's going to be true. Now hopefully you know they'll fix the other problems with the keyboard, but we'll mm-hmm. see. Right. Um, cool. Not bad. Yeah, and there's a lot of other good features, but I don't want to spend the whole podcast talking about stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll, I'll throw in my two cents. Yeah, I think the things that looked cool to me um, was um, uh, now they the support for the for transit maps that they have now. Oh yeah, I yeah. thought that was a pretty good idea. Yeah, if you live in a city with right, <laughs> right. Well, the thing is, it gives you directions even within train stations. That is pretty cool. So. You know, like, whenever I take the subway somewhere, I do have to think about, well, if I'm in the back of the train and, you know, like, it's, let's say, 42nd Street Station, yeah, you know, like, the station stretches several blocks, mm-hmm. you know, you're on the, you get off on the train, are you closer to 40th Street or are you closer to 44th right. Street? <laughs> you know when, what I mean? When you look, it'll say just, like, all right, the train station's on 42nd and 5th. And right. it's like, okay, that's good. But then you get there and you're like... Oh, but where is the entrance? Like, right, right. Is this the north? Is this the um? You know, is this going downtown or uptown? Like, what's yeah. going on here? Uh, or I'll I'll often get off in a st- at a station, and I'm a, like I'm like two blocks away from where I yes, want it to be right? because the entrance on the other side is closer to where I'm heading. Mm-hmm. So things like that, I thought were pretty clever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If pretty it works, useful. that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, another thing that I thought was pretty cool were the multitasking enhancements in iOS nine. Um, Things like the slide over feature, yes. which lets you kind of creep another I window. I cannot wait for that one. That's a huge. One. I already do that on. How do you do that? Well, I already do that on my Android phone. <laughs> with uh, you know, Samsung has multi window yeah, support, yeah. which which I think is pretty useful. So I can browse Facebook while having YouTube playing or something like that. Yeah, I've seen you do that. That's that is pretty cool. Um, you know, things like that. I mean, they so they, they always stayed away from that because of battery life. That mm-hmm. was their always their argument, right? So I don't know how things are working now, but they say they always improve their their ba- their power management, like yeah. intelligently, you know, powering things off that don't get used, things like that. So. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they even are allowing for PIP video. Yeah, I know. That's crazy. You know, where you can just, Super like... Super useful. Drop a video window over anything and slide yeah. it around and resize it and things like that. Um, I noticed their split view feature, which allows you to run two apps side by side, is yes. only going to be available on the iPad Air 2. Only the iPad 2 and above, whatever else comes right, out. Right, whatever comes out yeah. after that. So, I guess that's probably going to be maybe because of memory because the iPad Air 2 actually has mm, 2 gigabytes. That's true. I didn't think about that. 
So maybe that's kind of the reason for that. And plus, it has the latest, you know. I think that's the only latest processor too. Yeah, maybe that helps too. That's the only I think feature that is specific to that model. Right. Right. Yeah. I guess even I think so. um, So the the one nice thing about this, which you don't hear a lot of people talking about, is this new update is going to work on all your devices. Right. Except the iPad One. Right. I was shocked at that actually. (laughs) Yeah. I noticed that. The iPad 2 is still supported. Yeah. That was on the list. And I, and it's funny, because people always complain when, like, these new OSs come out. They're like, oh, Apple, you know, they always want you to buy the new thing, and that's it. And it's like, all right, we finally have, like, they're now allowing, like, all your old devices to work with this. And you don't hear anyone, right. like, praising them for it about it. Right. Yeah. No, it's definitely good stuff. I mean, if you... I mean, I've I've had an iPad since the iPad 1, yeah. so... So I'm, right. <laughs> so I'm going on five years of iPad use. Um, I, I, started, I started with the two. Uh huh. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, this seems like it's going to be a solid update. Yeah, it looks it looks yeah, promising. As opposed to the last one. Yeah. Um. So after that, uh-huh. they did a bunch of Apple Watch stuff, Watch OS updates. Yeah, they released their new uh, iOS or uh, whatever you call it, Watch OS. Right. Watch now, OS version two. Nothing really much of interest to me here. Mm. I don't know if you really saw anything that was worth talking um, about. Not so much, and it could be because I don't own the watch, right. so I'm not too familiar with it. Uh, I've, I've, I've seen enough videos about it, mm-hmm. but um, the one good thing about it is that they're really opening it up for developers now. Right. So I think you're going to see a lot more interesting uses for the watch mm-hmm. rather than what we know about it already. Yeah, yeah I, kept see- I kept hearing this term, native apps. Yeah. And... Um, I don't know. I, I guess because up to now, the watch has always sort of been positioned. I mean, up to now, it's only been out for whatever a couple like of months. Barely, like right. I know. Like, but but already they're on their next still their next the OS already yeah. on for it. But basically, it's always kind of been like a second screen to your iPhone. And I guess now it can sort of have like standalone apps that can do its own thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think yeah. So a lot of the apps, I don't know how it works because they do have third party apps for it. Mm-hmm. But I think. It runs off of the phone sort of thing? I don't know. Kind of, yeah. So this is going to be different now. I don't right. know. I don't know much about it. Me neither. That's why I really didn't uh, yeah. pay too close attention. Um, and I guess they had uh, a couple of other things, right? They had they had their whole Apple Music push. The Apple Music thing, which was uh, tough to sit through. Yeah. I uh, <laughs> Moments, cringeworthy moments, I would say. I, uh, I really started to tune out at this point. Um, but you know, whatever. I uh, guess it, it, it I feel really like I me. feel like I'm watching it, and I'm like, this. I am not the customer for this. That's what I felt like. Yeah, that's why I didn't really, like, couldn't I really focus on it. No, I don't know what they. Even though they had Trent Reznor on it, which was like <laughs> he's like my idol practically. Uh huh. And even with him, I just it, nothing about it. I was relating to. I was like, I don't stream music. Right. I have no interest in it. I don't care about DJs. I don't listen to any of this music they're showing. It was like nothing about it had any interest to me at all. Right. Yeah, I mean, they were touting like the the social connect features too. That was kind of cool. Um, how artists uh, however, can, like, you know, have like a little hub within I will probably Apple check that music. out, but I think that's included in iTunes. I don't think you have to pay for the service for that. I'm not sure. Right. Yeah, I don't know. It's not really something that the I The live DJ thing to. was kind of like, I don't know. Right. It's like, that's radio, you know? It's like, we have that already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so and that's and I think that's kind of it. That's how they closed out yeah. the event. Um, but, yeah. 
some stuff of interest. Really, I was there for the iOS stuff. But yeah, 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 me too. So that's what that that was that. Yeah, yeah. Um, anything else of interest this week? Uh, yeah, there was uh, some news I found on Touch Arcade. Uh huh. That uh, is saying revenue from mobile games are completely dist- obliterating the 3DS and the Vita revenue. Right. And they compared the numbers from two, 2014 to 2015, first quarter. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's night and day. It's like the amount of revenue that uh, both, uh, I think also, I think they combined both iOS and Google Play. Right. And the amount of money people are spending on mobile apps is just amazing compared to consoles. Or right. consoles or handhelds, I should say. Dedicated handhelds. Yeah. Sure. Um, and it definitely is a, is a trend. Yeah, I mean, because um, every year it's growing tremendously. It looks it looks about flat for dedicated handhelds. Yeah, it's, it looks yeah. about the same. About the same between last year and the year before. Right, and, but between so for iOS, it looks like it's grown thirty percent since last year. Uh huh. And for Google Play, it's grown about fifty percent. And we're talking numbers that are already um, much bigger than the totals. So basically, they grew more than the total amount that handhelds make. Yeah. Already, handheld game systems. Yep. Um, and it does not include in-app purchases. Right. From what I understand, that was included out of this, so that you would add even more onto that. Yeah. Well, they're basically saying that, like, well, basically they look at ad revenue as like a separate revenue stream. Okay. So a lot of these games are ad-driven. Yes. Yeah. And they generate a lot of money based on that. And they're not even talking, not even including that money. Um, but they do mention that a, a lot of these games that have any kind of multiplayer functionality yeah. seem to be a big, uh, you know, driver for spending. Like the, the Clash game. of game, Clans games and um, yeah. like that type of thing. Anything. Yeah. Even, even, even if the game just has leaderboards. Okay. Somehow that leads to additional spending by customers and players. I guess I'm going to say because of there's like a competitive aspect to it, people want to either, you know, put their name up totally, in lights, yeah. basically. I mean, just they, that game I talked about before, Slayin. Like, mm-hmm. I was looking at my game center, I'm like, I, there's no way I cannot be number one on this. Like, I'm going to keep playing it until I'm number one. <laughs> Even if it costs money for some people, that's uh-huh. their motivation. Yeah. Yeah, people, some people will not hesitate about spending. That's pretty staggering. Um, yeah, I mean... It's it's, I mean I would say like just looking at these graphs, it looks like, like the Google Play market is at least I would say five times bigger, potentially. I mean this is just where the this is just where the uh, the money is in in, mo- in like mobile gaming these days. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. I know a lot of people are resistant to this idea. People who are more <laughs> traditional game players. But this is going to set the pace for the this business is, for a lot of game developers. This is the industry, yeah. So I know people don't like it, but this is what things are changing. And you'll probably see more of a mobile presence at E3 this year, mm-hmm. from what I've heard and get a right. feeling about. So you've already seen like two PC games released on iOS this week. Mm-hmm. So I think you're going to see more of that. Yeah, I mean, just as an example. And you're starting to see these type of things in home console games, too. Right. 
Yeah, well, people see that as a negative trend, too. Yeah, but <laughs> this is just the way things are going. Um, but just as a basis for comparison here, this is just one last bit of statistic that they that they threw out. Yeah. Um, they said that they estimate that there's about 1.1 billion mobile devices being used for gaming. <laughs> billion. Right. Now, let's compare that to, to mobile consoles at this point. The 3DS yeah. just passed 50 million. 50 million. 50 okay. million 3DSs in the world. So if you make a mobile game, the most you can hope to sell to mobile users is 50 million units, which is incredible. It would be an incredible amount of sales. But just imagine if your customer pool was 1.1 billion instead. Yeah, yeah. So that's why (laughs) mobile games are happening. Uh, The Vita, for example, the I guess the second runner in the current gen of handhelds, 3DS is 50. The Vita is just about just over 10. 10 million. million. Okay. So that kind of puts it in perspective. So even combined, if you released a game that was compatible with both, Mm -hmm. like an indie game or something, right? Yeah. The most you can sell is 60 million if everyone bought one. Sure. Right. Whereas on a mobile, you can sell up to a billion. Right. Right. But. So let's say you reach. Are people going to buy that? 1% or 5% of the customers or whatever. You're talking about kind of tiny numbers, but Uh 5% of mobile would be huge. Yeah. By comparison. And that's. Why there's some rumors of Nintendo headed mm-hmm. towards right. the Android platform. You never know. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but if you are more inclined towards traditional gaming, uh, there's word of Mega Man coming back. Or at least... Again, <laughs> coming back. The original six Mega Man games that were released on the NES are coming back. People thought Capcom forgot all about Mega Man. That's why they made Mighty Number no. 9. Right. But Capcom's like, nope, we still own it. <laughs> right. We're going to release six of our... No, eight. Six of our old games. Six. The original six. That's right. So they're taking the NES originals. Yep. We're going to re-release it. Now, from what I understand, they're not... It's not emulation. It's not running through uh, an emulated... A rapper or anything like that. Mm-hmm. These are totally redone from the ground up. Right, they're working from source code. For, okay, from what what I understand. And this is going to be on, I believe, uh, all the consoles. So right, it's going to be on PS4, on Xbox One, and okay. on PC this summer. Okay. And I think a 3DS release is coming. 3DS, so not Wii U later, and not, not right away, PS3 no. or Xbox 360. I just don't the believe modern. so. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. So they're doing some interesting things. It's not uh, as, as initially I looked at it very negatively because I thought, well, like everyone else, this is just the NES games. You know, it's like I could play this on my emulator. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also compared it to Mega Man Anniversary, which wasn't that long ago, which had eight of the Mega Man games, right. and it also had the arcade games Power Battle and Power Battle Two or Power Battles, whatever they called it. Mm-hmm. So. Um, but what they're doing with this one is more like what Nintendo is doing with with the NES remixes. They're going to give you challenges. They're going to kind of mash up some things, mm-hmm. right? Some well, maybe. they are giving you the full games as well. Yeah, right. But then they're also adding in these extra right. Where modes. NES remix, they don't even give you the full games. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, they're going to give you uh, like um, rewards, right? Some kind of like leaderboard kind of thing. Sure. Yeah, which is kind of cool. So I, you know, I don't know. They're gonna give. They're gonna have challenge stages where you can um, do boss rushes. Definitely if you want. more interested in this now than I was when I first read about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it looks interesting, and there's also gonna be a lot of historical stuff bundled in with it too, like Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. 
<laughs> he wasn't in this game, was he? Well, yeah. What kind of historical stuff are we talking We're about? We're talking like uh, what they call a museum mode, where um, you're going to have like artwork from the game. You're going to have con- you know you know concepts and stuff like that. Um, basically, if you're a fan of Mega Man, you, if you like those Mega Man art books, for example, that come out and uh-huh. showcase like high res images of. Um, of all the different, you know, art assets in the game, this is going to be that kind of thing. What about Mega Man level creator? Uh, no mention of anything like that. Damn. <laughs> I wouldn't do it anyway, but... You can write it I would it like in. to see what fans do with that. You can write it in a suggestion. That? Yeah. So this is, I mean, there's all going to be all kinds of stuff in here, though. Um, so this is called, officially called, the Mega Man Legacy Collection. Okay. Right. So. I guess it's a download. It's like $15, I believe. 15 bucks. I mean, obviously, you can download these games now through other various eShops, but this is going to have all those extra modes that this is going to have, and this is going to be a, quite a bit cheaper, actually, okay. compared to buying those six games now. Um, so, yeah, it sounds, seems like a pretty good idea. Um, the company Digital Eclipse is involved with this. This might, they might, they might be a familiar I've heard name. i before, yes. If you are into collections of old games. Yeah, yeah. They worked on some of those. Mm-hmm. They're back. <laughs> they got the band back together. Right. Uh, so, interesting stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, if there's nothing more about that, I guess we can um, talk about some feedback that we got recently. Sure. On some of our recent episodes. Um, most notably, uh, Greg AZ writes in and thinks that I deserve a medal for actually playing through that horrible Star Wars game that I talked about on the GBA. You do deserve a medal. He says it had awful graphics, awful sound and music, uh, or putrid is the word that he used, (laughs) Um, and was very choppy and, uh, I don't know. A bad sound. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. I I can't believe he played this game. Well, I'm surprised he played it if yeah. he has this opinion on it. But then again, he says that GBA sound was bad anyway, so maybe he's just saying, oh, okay. why would you play any GBA game? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, I mean, I think much like Chewbacca at the end of Star Wars, I did not get a medal. Uh, Han and Luke got the medals, but Chewie was left holding mm. his bandolier, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, you know, I'm always on the lookout for things that... Maybe uh, slip past my notice. Um, he also wonders how many, um, you know, uh, special editions <laughs> of uh, the upcoming uh, Battlefront Star Wars game I'll be getting. Um, I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. I'm gonna have to no, see. No, is what that, that an E3 like. preview game? Probably because right? uh, that movie's out, isn't it? Well, out? well, the, the, we saw we saw uh, footage from the game at Star Wars Celebration, but okay. Um, I don't know what the special editions of the game look, mm. <laughs> look like yet. So I guess we may get more word of that at E3 this week. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, there was also some commentary on the Castlevania game that I played, or the two games that I played, right? Yeah, this is... Uh, Greg thought it was an interesting review of the 16-bit... Castlevanias. Um, apparently, Sega fans adore Bloodlines. I was not aware of that. I was not aware of that either. No. Mm-hmm. I'm a Sega fan. <laughs> <laughs> then you should love it, it sounds like. I don't hate it. Yeah. Well... I don't say I love it, but... Um, it's okay. He also mentions that, um, you know, he thought that Super Castlevania 4 was a fantastic game. He played both recently on original hardware, but had to use... A game genie to get past it. Yeah. He kind of emphasized the original hardware. 
mm-hmm. a hardware. So I don't know. That was a, a dig or something. Did you play it on? <laughs> I played it on emulation. Uh, that's probably why. Uh, but hey, um, I, this is what I have access to. I, I don't. I, I do actually have. You know, I mean, I still have my original hardware, but I don't, I don't think I have those games on card. No. Yeah. I don't quite think so. Um, what else? Uh, Frankie also commented. Frankie Vitorello of the Digital Press Podcast. Yeah. Greg is part of that podcast as well. Please listen to that. <laughs> um, Frankie really likes Bloodlines too. He thought the music, the level design, the colorful palette was uh, putting that game on top for him above Super Castlevania Four, which he found bland and boring. Yeah, and I was very surprised. Did not like the sprites that. in that yeah. game. Now the funny thing is, I thought the sprites in Bloodlines looked a little more NES-like than... Oh, definitely, yeah. ...than Castlevania IV. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of did remind me of that style of art. Um, but he also mentions that Dracula's Curse, Castlevania three, will always be his favorite pre-32-bit entry. Which makes sense, because I think Bloodlines feels like it should have came like, right after mm-hmm. Castlevania three. Right. To me. Yeah, it's it's... I mean... Haven't touched those games yet, but <laughs> Castlevania Three. Yeah, they feel mm-hmm. that I'm uh, really missing out not having played those games. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So you know my opinion on that. Well, well, I pointed out that I haven't played most NES games at all. <laughs> most? How about any? NES? Well, nearly any. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's almost going to be a mission for me is to fill in my gap on NES games. That's a huge gap. Well, there's not that many good games on the NES. Uh, that's your opinion. Um, I know people will disagree. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, do you think? I, do you feel I should go back and play a lot of those games? I think you should. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You'll probably be surprised by what you find. <laughs> I was busy playing PC games at the time, so yeah, I guess so. I guess I'll so have you to. You wasted your life. <laughs> Where did all those PC games get you? Well, I was playing SimCity. I was playing Star Starflight. Games like that. Those are not games. Those are simulations. Nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> um, Greg also mentions Ninja Gaiden, the game that you played. Um, he doesn't remember seeing that game in arcades. Um, and, you know, noticed that it was a beat-em-up, unlike the NES game. Uh, and does recommend the Lynx versions. Yeah, the Lynx version's good. I mean, I, I would say none of the... I don't think any of the initial guiding games are that great. Mm-hmm. Even the modern ones. I, I think... I don't know. I don't like any of those. They just but, have, uh, I just know they have a reputation for being extremely difficult. Yeah, they're a bit difficult. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought I, for all of them, I'd probably play the arcade one or the Lynx version. Right. I didn't even know there was a Sega Master System version. <laughs> I can't imagine what that is. Well, Greg says it's out. terrible, so he says don't try that one. All right, let's save me some time. <laughs> um, he also mentions the Hardcore Gaming 101 books, thinks they're all worthwhile, um, and notices that they're smaller ones as well. I didn't know, to those. I didn't I know did, about those. Yeah, I didn't know about that either until he pointed them out, so I'm going to look into those. I think there's only one volume right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget what it focuses on. It's focused on two games, but I'm going to... Uh, they're on my wish list, so eventually I'll, I'll pick some of those up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only one uh, of those game, uh, only one of those books that I've gotten was the 
the Sega Arcade Classics book. Yeah. Um, which I thought was pretty good. Uh, so I really... Um, good content. Design is questionable. <laughs> it's as, old, as a designer, I find it very questionable. It's dense. It's very dense. Very dense mm-hmm. pages. But I think some people appreciate that. Um, anything else worthwhile mentioning here? I, these are all... I don't believe so. This is all good feedback. We appreciate hearing from uh, listeners and like to follow up on the topics that we've talked about. So by all means, please keep sending those comments. And um, we'll maybe wrap it up then. Yeah, we are just hours away from E3. Mm-hmm. So there's already a ton of leaked games we're waiting for. Um, so I'm looking for forward to the Transformers game that we just heard about right so i'm hoping that we'll see some of that in the next 24 hours and uh that's kind of it for now we'll probably have more to talk about next week about e3 yeah a lot of exciting stuff on the horizon certainly a couple of games i'm interested in unfortunately the timing of this podcast by time this airs e3 will be over we'll be halfway through at least we are like on a two-day delay on this thing so but uh there'll be Probably more than we can get our arms around yeah. in one sitting anyway. So I guess we'll uh, talk more next time. Yep. Catch us next week. Thanks. Bye-bye.